Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sound off like you got a pair. If you ladies leave my island, if you survive recruit training, you will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. You are not even human fucking beings. You are nothing but... (laughs) Ah, hello, and welcome to the Sun Cinema Podcast, a weekly radio show that examines the highs and lows of the medium of film through the filtered lens of Washington, D.C.'s only art house cinema, Sun Cinema. I'm your host, Jason Cauley, and I am joined by my co-host today and the proprietor of Sun Cinema, Ryan Hunter-Mitchell. How are you today? Hey, Jason. I feel motivated after that, uh, yeah. that pep talk from our, uh, the drill sergeant. Our Lee Army. Um, yeah, from Full Metal Jacket, 1987, Stanley Kubrick's, um, I guess, answer to Oliver Stone's platoon the year earlier in a way ah okay uh, I, I think they were both kind of happening uh, you know on their uh-huh. own it was just one of those things where like uh timing worked out you know and it was uh, without going into this too far hey guess what kids we're talking about war films a little bit today uh it's, just we're gonna have a memorial. memorial yeah coming off a of memorial day um and we just thought we'd kind of examine some of the things uh, about war films and kind of how they play in uh, cinema history and yeah maggots yeah maggots (laughs) (laughs) so anyway that was like the first taste obviously um you know that was a interesting time like the mid 80s kind of blew up with uh you know kind of vietnam post-vietnam films about you know like coming home was another or not coming home but in country Sure. With uh, Bruce Willis, do you remember that at all? Uh, I'm only f- I've only seen Hard Target. Oh, like, perfect. And True Lies. These are the only war movies I've actually seen. Good. That's a good place. Did to you start. watch any over the weekend? Did you do? I any? Did, no, I didn't watch any any, any war memorial films. specific. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, I, I watched a lot of The Wire. I watched uh, like five episodes of season three yesterday. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it is good stuff. It's great. Um, no, I didn't watch anything. I watched some weird stuff this weekend, but n- but not that. Uh, yeah, how was your Memorial weekend, by the way? You know, I had to go work down in Virginia for uh, a wedding, and it was uh, it, it was fine. I didn't realize it was Memorial Day when I took it, so <laughs> right. it, was, it was a pain in the ass to get down there. It, it was fun. It did mean that I meant I missed uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday movies at Suns. Right. Yeah. What was playing this past week? You weekend? know, we did uh, Rumble in the Bronx, which I've seen recently. We've both seen. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. I recently. don't know how the crowd was, but... It's got to be good. Good, mo- good movie. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. I hope people were motivated to go just like tear down some small bodegas <laughs> after yeah, exactly. that. <laughs> and ride a hovercraft. I got my hovercraft's license. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure that the third Back to the Future was wearing Yeah, I feel on like David. you got a built-in crowd for that, and David, yeah, is probably exhausted. Yeah, um, he's probably so back 
he's probably so sick of Back to the Future movies. Yeah. And then Sunday was Bad Day at BlackRock, which I'm sorry I missed, obviously. Yeah. Um, um, I missed it as well. And then yesterday, what, what happened? It was Mysterious Skin, which oh, is yeah, the which only of those, of those movies I've seen. And I'm sure it was good. I, I wonder how the crowd was on Memorial Day, but yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, tonight we're doing uh, a poor censor. Uh, the am I doing that right? Yeah, yes. it's the last of the Apu trilogy, right? Which will be pretty pretty cool. Um, I those are restored and beautiful now. Oh so. yeah, yeah. Criterion did a great Janus, whatever did a great job with those. But enough about Suns. Let's but enough let's about get sons. into war movies yeah no for sure um, we're gonna memorialize the memorial day weekend yeah. by talking about war movies um before we go any further i i want to correct myself from one thing we were talking about uh, westerns last week and i mentioned the three films with john ford and and um, john wayne mm-hmm. and the second in that trilogy i was i misspoke I had the wrong movie in mind what i meant to say instead of uh if so the the trilogy is um, stagecoach, Fort Apache, okay, and the Searchers. Fort Apache was the middle film. I said she wore a yellow ribbon, which was made exactly. They were like a year apart. Um, and so I you had, were way off. Yeah, <laughs> I was way off. No, but I, I just had the other title in my in my head for some reason. Uh, I guess because I'd seen it recently. But anyway, so just you can to, stop harassing us and send yeah, these emails about how we and, up. Yeah, quit, quit. Uh, you know, tweeting me that yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> Um, <laughs> quit, quit sending the hassling emails to Sun Cinema. So anyway, um, yeah, no, it's just like kind of a, an interesting topic, like war and, and cinema, like this this real kind of strange relationship. Uh, it was Truffaut, I think, right, that said there is no such thing as an anti-war film. Ah, I Anytime like you're putting, you know, people against people physically, however, you know, uh, uh-huh. in these situations, you're somehow in some way glorifying that act sure. um, whether it's through heroism or mm-hmm. you know some other thing but um, you know a lot of people take exception to that and a lot of people have varying thoughts on that I come in somewhere you know um, kind of at a different angle I guess I guess from that because I, I do think some of these films can have a lasting impact on people and kind of especially you know for me and my history kind of growing up in the 80s and the reagan era in the united states there was a lot of almost propaganda uh-huh. you know kind of films about like you know war is kind of the right uh of young men and, uh-huh. and something you should prepare to to be part of and for the greater good and all of these kinds of things and um you know it wasn't until in my experience growing up in the late 80s that you started seeing some of these films come out that were a little more questioning of that, uh, uh-huh. at least, you know, um, a little more complex, you know, than sure. say something like red Dawn or uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a huge hit when I was a kid. Like I went to the <laughs> movie Dawn. theater and saw it, you know, cause it yeah. was like, Oh, the Ruskies are coming. This was like the height of the cold war. It truly yeah. was like, you know, I, if you're a certain age, you know, uh, growing up in, in the United States, or Russia, I guess, um, but certainly here in the, in the states, like the Cold War, especially in the eighties with Reagan and uh-huh. Gorbachev, was like a real thing. Like I really worried, like we were going to have like a nuclear war. We were and always days away from Colorado being invaded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, you know, it's just kind of this 
backdrop, but like in the late 80s, some of these films started coming out kind of post-Vietnam, which tends to be the trend, uh, with the exception of World War II, which we can, we'll talk about a little bit more. But, um, you know, it started coming out kind of posing a little more complicated questions about war and mm-hmm. the sacrifice people make, sure. what the long-term effects of, you know, war uh-huh. is on people um, or has on people and kind of both the home front and, and, and um, you know, during combat itself. So, I mean, war is such a big it's topic. Massive. It's, it's so it's, massive. You can make a movie about war, about combat, um, or you could just use it as a setting to get really close into a certain interaction with people or certain, right. uh, you know, you could use it to make a fish out of water movie where you have a soldier in a foreign land. You could use it to focus on the return home. How do you get back into society? So it's pretty And the broad. entire, you know, kind of political structure behind war and what uh-huh. that means. Like that's almost its whole, a whole sub sub genre, the Dr. Strange loves, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, you know, that, that kind of come into play and so one of the things like that's one of the areas I guess we we're kind of, you know, breaking stuff down into was kind of combat specific, like combat on film um, and the war machine, kind of the uh-huh. machinery behind that. And, and some of the early films, maybe the first, if you can say anti-war film uh, was largely considered uh, the first anti-war film was all quiet on the Western front, um, which I feel like a lot of people have seen. And it's a very old film, 1930 uh, Lewis milestone. um, It's about world war one. And it was kind of the first film I think as well, where people were like, that's really what it was like. You know, Uh a lot of it, like the trench warfare and stuff of world war one was very much on display in that film. And, you know, to a, very harrowing degree. So that's 1930. That's 1930. So um, just for context, this this is probably one of the earlier times that anyone's getting to see footage, even depicting this, like to mass. Yeah, audiences. and certainly in a in a you know talkie for the, uh-huh. for that matter. I mean, we just went to sound in 1927. So um, yeah, this was kind of a big, epic type of film, especially for 1930. Um, tackling this very specific you know um world of world war ii and trench warfare and and what world does war it one. mean yeah. or i'm sorry world war one and what does it mean to um you know have your life in peril uh-huh. for a government basically yeah and uh, what you know what are you willing to do is it are you fighting for for your rights for your you know um fellow man what just started asking kind of big questions sure, the sure. first film to do that and it did it very well and very early on and it's kind of why 90 years later it's still looked at as like oh yeah this was like great and yeah, you know, yeah. great great film and great anti-war film um jean renoir did grand illusion uh 1937, which was kind of the next big pre-world war ii uh you know war film and, and then does uh, World War Two change things? Yeah, a little sure. bit. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, truly, like, that was, there was a lot of stuff. Um, we can talk about it now. I mean, it, it kind of leads in timeline-wise, uh, where you talk about kind of the subversive films and where you really get into, like, the propaganda machine, mm-hmm. um, you know, the... Um, the propaganda efforts on both sides, not just the U S side, but on certainly on the German side was happening in, in large scale. Is that, uh, yeah. So is there, are there subversive 
pre World War Two, is there much in the way of films that are subversive, that are kind of anti-war, really, I mean, or just as? Yeah, other than these, like I mean, other I'm not, than All Quiet, which is like this is the hell of war, right? Uh, yeah, it's not uh, certainly not as commonplace, and I, I'm sure there's you know people you know who have you know cinema and history backgrounds that would say oh point to this movie or this movie uh-huh. maybe but um in just my knowledge not as much until you get into the late 30s and early 40s uh-huh. and it became this i will say it started becoming a backdrop you know kind of like the nazis are rolling in mm-hmm. spies you know become a thing um you know all of these films kind of start rolling foreign correspondent was 1940 um alfred hitchcock is just so alfred hitchcock comes to america in 1940 and makes two films rebecca and foreign correspondent um rebecca wins best picture foreign correspondent arguably equally as good a film okay insanely brilliant but it's all about uh the spy network uh-huh. in europe and an american journalist who goes over there and kind of gets involved in that world uh, uh. and it's it's a little jaunty it's a little caperish but you know it's it does a great this great job of kind of balancing between hitchcock fun and like hey there's really something going on yeah. in europe that we all need to be paying attention uh-huh. to and it just kind of starts throwing those things in there. And uh, the next, you know, a couple of, of films, Sergeant York was another, you know, uh, Howard Hawks film kind of, it's about World War One, but it's in 1941 when it gets made. And it's about uh, this character, real life uh, man named Alvin York, uh, who was a conscientious objector in, in World War One, And this was a big deal. And he finally, you know, gets drafted and accepts the draft but says you know i'm not gonna fight and then he gets over there of course becomes one of the most decorated war heroes of okay. all time um because he by all reports was put in a situation where he was he had an option to kind of watch all of his platoon die or yeah. he was in a position uh-huh. to save them and he uh-huh. decided to save them and so this gets put on display. It's 1941. We haven't entered the war yet. The U.S. hasn't entered, but there's so all this So this is talk. clearly like using this film about World War One to yeah. address the urgency of entering World War Two at yeah. a time where you know we didn't. What not till December 41 do we even right before we were yeah, even yeah. like plunged into into that effect, but. In 1940, a year earlier, you also had Chaplin doing The Great Dictator, which is, you know, as pointed a thing as you can possibly yeah, yeah. do at Hitler. Um, um, and that's a different way to kind of, there, there's a call to urgency in The Great Dictator. For sure. He uses comedy and like profound uh, speech and everything. But he's, he's really, what I've always heard is that propaganda wasn't really even considered a bad term. Like we weren't even thinking of propaganda as bad until we see what the effects were in Nazi Germany. Right. And, and then we start having a, a, a certain uh, critique of it, and he's out right out the gate in 1940 being like, well, watch out for profound language and inspiring language. What's, it, what's the point? Yeah, uh, not surprising Chaplin being one of the great individuals in cinema history and world history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, was way ahead of the curve. Definitely. Uh, ahead of everyone in that, in that sense. And, um, you know, that kind of, again, like you said, like propaganda wasn't really even, you know, a bad term necessarily. Uh, and 
certainly wasn't in the U.S. in the early, early 40s. Mm-hmm. I'm talking 40 to 42. Sure, sure. When we were kind of getting ready to enter the war. And there was another film um, called To Be or Not To Be, an Ernst Lubitsch film. Lubitsch obviously had his opinions about sure, yeah, the yeah. Germans in World War yeah. II and, and Nazi Germany. And made a, a comedy out of it that was actually a very, you know, weirdly received like people didn't quite know how to take this you know the, 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 this is the uh, couple performing uh, uh shakespeare, shakespeare right? yeah, in germany performing or? hamlet yeah, yeah and and um <laughs> as the germans are kind of coming in to Jesus. to take over and so yeah there it's it is a comedy but it's truly like centered on like how do we how do we react to you know the totalitarianism of, okay. of Nazi Germany. And so, and then of course, kind of, there were two real seminal uh, films in, in 1942 uh, that beyond to be or not to be. Um, one was Miss Miniver, which was a film about how the Brits were handling the air raids and uh-huh. you know, everything that was happening. And it was a big, humongous hit internationally. And it was really as we're entering the war, um, kind of took off as a symbol of the allies and uh-huh. we're we're all in one big team it's an American film about you know a British the woman Brits. doing her best uh-huh. to hold her family together while this war is coming into play and it really like pushed America kind of from a propaganda standpoint into like hey we gotta we've got to do everything we can this is not just a matter of you know a european war but this is life or death for all of us sure and so that film and then the one of the biggest films of all time casablanca comes in in 1942 and does kind of the same thing i mean they they hearken back to paris and Uh you know we'll always have paris and this was they get out of Paris because the Nazis are rolling in, you uh-huh. know, and then everything, uh, you know, to to do with that. It was all but, you know, combat in your face for yeah. Casablanca. Well, Casablanca, and this is where, you know, to show like the breadth of what you could do with a war film. It it just like has a, such a small focus. You're right. in a couple settings in that whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's looking at a wide amount of geopolitics at the time, but all Huge. in... A couple, you know, saloons uh, with the piano man and some gambling. Right. And they really are able to, like, kind of, uh, they just can allude to everything that's going on so well with these personal stories. Right. And all these fringe characters mm-hmm. and, and people that are on the periphery are just perfect, perfectly, like, written and typecast. And yeah. Before there was really even typecasting, like, perfectly typecast in these roles. Um, well, and it uses, like, the criminal. Uh, this one, it. You know, a lot of movies are great about doing, you know, the white hat, black hat, and oh, breaking sure. that, breaking that down. This one does it great because all the, you know, there's criminals. Basically, you have to be a criminal to do the right thing. Right. I, I mean, well, and that, yeah, and, and it, it puts that, you know, kind of morality in question, you know, and, and does it in a smart way with a character. Again, you've got this, you know, Humphrey Bogart kind of character who's like, hey, I don't really want to get involved. You know, I'm doing my thing. You guys, yeah, total self-preservation and gets, you know, kind of pushed into it and makes, you know, by all accounts, the right decision uh, by the end of the film. But those were like the big films, those four or five movies. And there were a handful of others, certainly. And we were starting to get like major newsreel footage. And you've got to remember, this is 1941, 42. There wasn't television yet. 
So the only way you saw live or, you know, moving images was at the theater. And so the newsreels really started becoming longer and a bigger, Uh um, I guess, push. It might be the right word to like emphasize what was happening around the world in terms of this world war that was shaping up to be a world war. Um, so there's these kind of subversive films and and we'll talk about how like those come into play a little later, uh, in a not so popular war called Vietnam. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I I will say like on the flip side of that, there were, um, a couple of fun films like 1946 was a pretty seminal, uh, time, obviously post-war, uh, and a couple of films, a few films maybe, um, that talked about really the effects of war and and the biggest one uh was a film by william wyler who was um you know heavily deployed uh in the war had enlisted and and served and did a ton of work uh, documentaries during his time in combat uh, but came back and made a film called the best years of your lives and it won i think seven academy awards uh but i mean it was truly like the first real film about PTSD of like, okay, now the war is over. We've been living with this for, you know, four or five years now. How do we put our lives back together? How do we as a nation and through the, through the eyes of this family, um, and kind of a normal middle-class family bringing home, you know, um, their soldiers, one of which has a missing arm, you know, and it's a real, He's a real soldier playing the character. Oh, he received cool. an honorary Oscar uh, for this. and um, But it, it's the first film that really, from a, a, I guess, a very popular stance, like uh, in a Broadway, uh, asked the question, you know, what is shell shock? What is sure. you know, what we call now PTSD? Um, and what effects does that have, not just on the person in, who suffers from that, but the people around them? Yeah. Or how, if it's this mass, uh, that many people returning from war, what does that do to? Yeah. How does, does that, that change your society? society? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it asks those big, broad questions. And, you know, of course, one best picture uh, because people really couldn't get enough of that. They wanted, I will say that was kind of a different thing than any other war that I can imagine, certainly in Vietnam and, and the past wars. Uh, on terrorism in, in, Afghan- in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, certainly um, in ni- late 1940s and even in through the 50s, like people wanted to know like what were the effects mm-hmm. of war? Um, how did we win? How did all of these mm-hmm. things happen? Again, you didn't have all of this kind of machinery out there to kind of reflect everything back to the home uh, sure. until Vietnam. Vietnam uh-huh. was the first one that had you know moving in- images on the battlefield. So uh, also like coming to back that from, extent. coming back from world war two, the kind of the mood that's going to be in Hollywood at that time and up through the fifties is pretty patriotic. E- even if we're For looking sure. at the, the hell of war, we're looking at it through a pretty patriotic lens, which very much so doesn't really change and not much reason to, for it to change at the time until we start getting into the sixties. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, cinema is just a reflection of, of, you know, where we are in, in a space and time, uh-huh. just like any other art form. Um, uh, cer- certainly any media art form. Definitely. Um, and with the death of Kennedy in the early sixties, 
you know, certainly changed everybody's perspective on kind of who we were as a nation and kind of just saw this disintegration of the next generation that was Uh coming up as far as, um, you know, the baby boomers who were reaching adulthood right as Vietnam's really starting to take off. And they are very much in the vein of, yeah, I don't understand this. Uh-huh. I don't want to be part of this. Um, yeah, well, and this doesn't look like all the war movies that we've just seen. It doesn't. Well, <laughs> and that was it. doesn't feel like World War II. Right, and that was the thing. Like, with World War II, it was very black and white, right? I yeah. mean, you've got this maniac and his war machine, and we've got to stop him. Yep. In Vietnam, it was, well, we've been there since the mid-50s. We're Most not really, don't really sure. Yeah. That. <laughs> Most people don't know where it is. Yeah. You know, you know where Poland is. You know yep. where Germany is. You're not real sure where North Vietnam is. Yeah. Where's, um, where's Indochina? You right. Know, like exactly. And so, you know, it, it started off bad and only got worse. And there were a handful of films, um, you know, that both encouraged that kind of patriotic side of, uh-huh. of the house. And I'll speak about one specifically, um, it's 1968 called the green berets, um, which is an awful film by the way. Uh, <laughs> but very much a John Wayne kind of the end of John Wayne's career, but very much a U.S. pro war, sure. you know, pro pro everything <laughs> war machine in the U S uh, for the purposes of Vietnam and, you know, just completely divisive film uh-huh. um, to the point that it, it really had uh, detractors basically for a decade uh-huh. afterwards who were coming back trying to counter that film. Um, and you had, you know, a lot of films that were, were kind of subversive there. The Dirty Dozen was another one that was a World War II film, but it's really talking about kind of war and what yeah, that yeah. means in in terms of today's uh you know what they were looking at in 1967 which was vietnam and of course maybe the biggest of that generation to hit the first of that generation to hit was mash well i was gonna uh, say like that's a that's a that's a a look that's not really weighing heavily in any direction it's kind of just like a look yeah it's uh, it, to some degree i i mean it's in the same vein well, right of korea, like strange love yeah it? it's korea yeah uh, which but in is 1970, but 1970, we're obviously we know talking, we're talking about, about Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just a look at like the chaos of, and the kind of silliness mm-hmm. to some degree of war and, and, you know, looking at it from that lens rather than this kind of patriotic, we've got to go do the right thing uh-huh. kind of lens. It was more of questioning, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, why are we even <laughs> are we? Yeah. messing with this? And it wasn't until, you know, the late 70s that you really got into the kind of heavy end of that uh, war in, in every aspect, whether uh-huh. it was like what is combat and even the look of combat. You know, if you compare something like Apocalypse Now to any of those post-World War II movies um, it's different. <laughs> of combat. Yeah, this was, you know, a much more realistic look at the horrors and trauma of war in the battlefield, the chaos of that, um, as much as anything, especially in Vietnam. Again, two very different types of, you know, uh, combat scenarios where you were in World War II, for the most part, very 
you know, clear mission driven. We're going to go take this hill. We're going to mm-hmm. go do this. We're, Vietnam was very much, we don't even not sure what hill we're on, yeah. but we've got to go figure this out. And I mean, got to claim it, then leave tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, well, can we stop for a second to go sure. into the 60s and like the French new wave? Because they were definitely, yeah. t- how they were touching war one they didn't have a hollywood they didn't have like a big national industry of movies or not not to my knowledge so a lot of you know the movies you're getting are these breakout you know directors you know the the french nouveau the left bank kind of right movies and they're looking at you know basically kind of looking at vietnam but even just looking at Algiers, you know the battle of Algiers, for instance or you know, these movies where they're looking into, or Le Petit Soldat yep. by Godard, you know, he's looking at spy agencies, waterboarding, all these things that go on in the cities that go on around you, things that are happening just because the, the breakdowns of trust that come through war, the paranoia, the cultural identities. And they're like, you know, one, they don't have the budgets to do huge war scenes, and they didn't seem very interested in it. They're trying to find these like personal noir type right. stories. And I haven't seen the Hitchcock one that you mentioned earlier. Uh, uh, foreign Correspondent. Foreign Correspondent, but now yes. I want to because obviously they were gobbling up Hitchcock and, yeah, yeah. and uh, all of the kind of noir stuff, post-World War II For noir. Sure. But if you're looking at it, you could see a good seed on how anti-Vietnam sentiment was going to work its way into film. Yes. Kind of from the 60s and the French New Wave stuff because they're really skeptical about imperialism. They're wondering why are we going into at the time, you know, French Indochina, why are we going to Algeria? Why are we trying to right. use soft power or subtle co- or secret, secretive ops power to try to right. influence societies that we really don't know anything about? And they're looking at this as just as like, how is this not just colonialism? Right. Which I think that spills into the, the film school. Oh, a total 70s, convergence. You know? Yeah, a total convergence of, of worlds happening there. Um, and there were some other films. I, I'll be remiss if I didn't mention this because some there's a lot of people kind of in the know. It's not a very well-seen film. It hasn't been seen a whole lot, and it's kind of not really easy to get. Uh, but a 1960 film, 1965 film uh, called The 317th Platoon. Oh, and it's about uh, these French uh, soldiers who are overrun. Oh. And in 1953, uh, and are trying to get out of the jungle. It's in Damn. set in Vietnam, and it's made in 1965, about a decade earlier. Yeah. But obviously, same thing. Like we're really talking you know about talking Vietnam, about. Yeah. and it's just the harrowing act of like these guys trying to evacuate a bad situation. Uh-huh. You know, um, really kind of ahead of its time, and in, in terms of like we would see that later with stuff like apocalypse now or the deer hunter and stuff but they yeah. were doing it in 65 in france saying wow. hey we shouldn't be involved in this this yeah, is yeah. like this is bad we're all going to end up worse for wear yeah. if we keep going can um, you tell me why you you might die yeah exactly <laughs> Do you know why you might die because there's not really a good reason <laughs> yeah and and so that you know truly just changed the landscape of, of film and, and even you know things that you don't really associate with war films like taxi driver yeah. um not a war film at all, obviously, uh-huh. um, but it is about a veteran who were real unclear how much he served, how much uh-huh. he saw, where was he? Was he a you know a kind of a non-existent is player? Is he just mentally? Is Ill? he just is mentally? There, yeah. But it, it asked that question, you know, in a very big way of you know the, 
we're not sure what happens to uh-huh. these guys when they come back and how do you and you know how you end up with these travis bickles of our yeah. world you know in the uh sophie fian's movie the pervert's guide to ideology oh which right is interviewing Zizek, and they talk about specifically taxi driver but i've heard him mention the searchers as a mm-hmm. as actually a better version of this and he kind of psychoanalyzes it as this is a certain uh interventionalist mentality in there which is say say you take uh what travis mm-hmm. yeah he can't handle that he's seeing this young girl who's being mistreated and all these kind of terrible things right she's had this terrible life at the hands of uh either society and being pimped being right put on drugs and he wants to rescue her but also he's so conflicted that he's probably having some of the same drives to do the same evil, bad things to her. He obviously sure. has this attraction to her and he, he gets so frustrated that she's not so eager to leave it. Right. And he's just like, yeah, this is an interventionalist mentality. We need to save them. We need to give them democracy, give them whatever. Right. But we can't understand that they aren't rushing to our arms. Right. You know, and it, it, there is something there with, with either the searchers, John Ford, or when you're looking at Scorsese, it's like he's really analyzing, like, why do we want to do things? Why are we so uncomfortable with harm? What is our attraction to yeah, death? It's, it's a really, really, I, I mean, we hadn't brought up the searchers, obviously. We talked about it a lot last week, but um, the searchers is very much in the same vein as Taxi Driver. Definitely. You got, you know, it's a post war guy who's returning to the West where his uh-huh. family is. And was in the Confederacy, was on the losing side of a, uh-huh. of combat, uh-huh. and has like one last mission, you know, yep. for himself. Like I'm going to save this girl, yep. you know, this this long, you know, stolen child from these savages, yep. you know. And again, same thing. He saves her. She doesn't want to come. You know, yep. she doesn't <laughs> recognize him. Doesn't want any part of that life. Has completely adapted to who she is. Uh, in her new life, and it's it's great. That's a great comparison. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so yeah, yeah there's that's also a good the psychology bill. and the national psychologies of war. This is why film is so good. You know, everyone should watch more movies. Yeah, watch <laughs> all the movies. Um, no, but I mean that that is that's an amazing uh, comparison between the Searchers and Taxi Driver. That make a great double bill. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really fun. Uh, so, Deer Hunter, do we talk about? No, we should Some talk about in my my opinion. De Niro's greatest performance is the Deer Hunter. As much as I, you know, adore Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and all these other things, but I really like the Heist or or no, what's the one with uh, Brando and Edward Norton? Oh, uh, the, the score. score. Yeah. yeah, the score is my my De Niro pick. <laughs> um, yeah, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, no, but like the Deer Hunter is him. You know, just kind of peak De Niro, uh-huh. right? I mean, it's literally lands right between the performances in Taxi Driver and, and Raging Bull. Two years on either side, nineteen seventy eight does Deer Hunter, and again, there's two films in nineteen seventy eight um, that really dealt with PTSD for the first time from the Vietnam landscape, and that was Deer Hunter and Hal Ashby's Coming Home with John Voight. Um, it's kind of persona non grata in a lot of places now, but uh, yeah, right. he's certainly <laughs> was, was dealing with, uh, you know, the true effects of like, uh, you know, post-combat stress sure. and is what Bruce that Dern means. Is Bruce Dern in that? Yeah, too. Bruce Dern's yeah. in that. And Bruce Dern like is phenomenal because Bruce Dern is, portray, or is portraying a character that is very right-wing, pro-war, not, you know, not validated. Like he uh-huh. feels like Vietnam's validated and is 
all about going over there. And then even on his return is like, he's shaking crap. You know, what did I go through? I don't understand this. And it's a very good complex film. If you haven't seen coming home, outstanding, you know, performances all around. But, uh, for my money, it's hard to beat deer hunter as far as an epic and of that scale. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, Christopher Walken wins his best supporting actor and is just insanely amazing. Um, just great performances all around. Everything's phenomenal about it. Um, Can we get to the good stuff? Sure. First Blood. Yeah, you know what? I mean, First Blood, when it came out, was kind of, it was a little cheaper made, right? Uh-huh. It wasn't, you know, this big kind of epic saga. And it was kind of in this downswing between you, Apocalypse Now and 1979 kind of capped off the Vietnam. Uh-huh. Like, all right, we can't take much <laughs> we more of this. talking about this. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. we want to move on. And you roll into the 80s where really the Reagan era is beginning. Oh, and yeah. so those we don't want to think about Vietnam. You know, the, the country's kind of turned away from that. And there was this little film called First Blood where it's truly like it. this guy's walking into a small mining town. Looks it's what, like West Virginia yep. somewhere, you okay, know, all. Pennsylvania, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. And uh, he's looking for an old war buddy mm-hmm. and, you know, comes upon it. Apparently, I don't remember the war buddy may have killed himself or something's not you know, right. He's not there. What? Yeah. He's not, he's there. certainly not there. Uh, but like the wife's there and it's, it's weird. Yeah. I just remember something being very off. I have to go back and watch that again, but like it was taken at face value as being like a, you know, still own action movie. And really it's making it a like, much bigger comment on like, where do these guys go? Who where do just, you fit in? Yeah, yeah. Where do you, where do you come back and, and, fit into normal life um, after something like that. And some, you know, the, the majority of people can do that and kind of reintegrate themselves into society and it, a hiccup, nightmares, things like that. I mean, true trauma and, and uh-huh. things they're dealing with on a daily basis even, but have managed to kind of reinsert themselves into society uh-huh. functionally. And there are guys who, and gals now, uh, who can't. You know, just do that. Yeah, and also and gals throughout history, women throughout history, <laughs> and it and it shows in in First Blood that it only takes like a few things for this all to just go wrong. Yeah, yeah, to, um, for it to just turn sideways. And we think Rambo kind of gets turned into Rambo Two or Beyond. It's such a, a weird thing, yeah, which like, is fine. It gets really Those co-opted into like you know big pro USA. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, by Rambo three, it's literally like him in Afghanistan and yes. start like just blowing heads up, yep. you know? Um, but like the first one, the very first Rambo is, is asking some of those huge questions. Yeah. First blood know? is like a small movie that's actually, <laughs> actually is great. Yeah. Not, not, nothing against the other Rambos that, you know, when that helicopter leaves too. <laughs> right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Jackknife. I've not seen this. Oh, uh, you should see. This is like, I mean, it's a bummer of a film. <laughs> I'll be real honest with you, but it's the same thing. It is, you know, um, late 80s trying to deal, you know, we're really talking about Vietnam because Platoon comes out, Full Metal Jacket comes out, and then this kind of onslaught for a couple of years of anything around Vietnam was getting greenlit. And one of them was a very small film with some major heavy hitters, Ed Harris and, and Robert De Niro. Uh, in this film called Jackknife, and it's the same thing. It's uh, Ed Harris is like struggling to keep a job and uh-huh. do anything with his life, and De Niro's in Vietnam, buddy, who comes to kind of try to pull him out of it, and it's just basically a weekend of them together, c- 
kind of going through PTSD together and like trying to come out on the other side of this. Uh, I mean, it's heavy. De Niro's insane, but Ed Harris really is just like next level committed. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's a really good film if you get a chance. I mean, it's, it's a small film, but it, it's a beautiful, some beautiful performances. And then there was like stuff like Jacob's Ladder who come, comes out in 1990, very much, you know, talking about um, an issue that is shrouded still to this day with a lot of mystery and, and all of this where were there tests being run on certain uh, platoons and, and units in Vietnam with LSD and things like that? Because one of the things they were trying to do is like keep these guys awake. How do you yeah. keep them up for 24 hours? How do you keep them going? How do you keep them sharp? And Speed. nobody knew enough about LSD. They were like, well, well, maybe we'll try it with some folks and see how this goes. Does it make them, you know, braver uh-huh. to, a, to a certain extent? You know, I mean, a little more mindless in terms of personal safety. Will they charge a little harder, you know? Sure. Um, if they're on these mind-altering drugs. Yeah. And so this is kind of the effect of that coming back. Interesting. What it does to those folks and it's a really twisted kind of mind-bending film uh it's really fun uh and a and a hard film in some some yeah, yeah. senses but it's an interesting film nonetheless um and then you know uh we kind of phase back out of war films in the 90s by yeah, and large it's, it's just and there's a little continuing of Cold War stuff, but that kind of sure. wraps up. That takes away. Well, a good, and the Cold easy War anime. ends in yeah. 93, 94, you know, so that kind of takes that, you know, thing away from it. Um, and I know we're not, you know, the disclaimer here is we're not even touching on all the other nations, so much. you know, uh, films uh, that dealt with war and combat and all. I mean, the French, the Yugoslavians, the Russians, oh, I mean, yeah. uh, so many of the Asian films. I mean, there's so, so many. Uh, Italy and, and, and that have dealt with this. Life is Beautiful, another sure. one. I mean, we haven't even talked about the POW films like Life is Beautiful or Schindler's List yeah. or The Pianist or anything like that. Um, that's its own category. Other. Yeah, subgenre almost unto itself and, and big, big questions you have to ask about Yeah, I mean, that's those. like some existential exploration in those, sure. which is why the setting is so so useful as a it's a tool for movies. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and again, we haven't like touched on the docs. Uh, and the documentary list is so vast um, from basically World War II on. Yeah. We haven't uh, talked about the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. Oh, my God. The, I mean, the, that first 20 minutes of Saving Private, they, I don't know if they still do. They certainly were when I went. They were showing that in basic training. Um, and you want to kind of scare a bunch of young men and women into the stark realities of what combat looks like, you know, um, it's hard to encapsulate combat in any sense. Um, but boy, do they do a pretty good job of it in, yeah. in saving private Ryan. I mean, everybody at least gets the idea of the chaos and the fear and, you know, the all out, you know, the wealth of human, you know, the range of human emotions that, that happened during something like that and how people react to that. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, just reading about it, uh, by the way, filmmaker George Stevens and John Ford were both at the D day in- invasion. Wow. Um, they're at Normandy. Yeah. Um, Jeez. there's 
conflict over how f- much Ford was involved. He was a little okay. older guy, by the uh, way, you know, already by then. But apparently, like George Stevens and his crew, like on the ground, rolling in, you know, being shot at by Germans um, and filming. And so, yeah, I mean, like the film that we have, you know, historical documentation of Normandy and all, it's all George Stevens, uh, really? filmmaker and his crew. Yeah. Wow. All working under John Ford. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like this Saving Private Ryan just did an insanely good job of, of kind of showing, like I said, just everything that kind of encapsulates a group, two groups of people coming together in conflict, you know, um, gosh, it's just harrowing. I mean, um, there's got to be a reason we keep on going back to World War Two movies, if you're like Dunkirk, for instance. Sure, yeah, Dunkirk, or like, you know, as war movies have become a little less popular. There were a few, or if you think of the ones coming after Iraq, Afghanistan. Or in the middle of Iraq, Afghanistan. I mean, The Hurt Locker's 2008, and that was, uh, 2007 was, uh, you know, the major push in Afghanistan again. Uh Um, You know, major, major efforts in Afghanistan, and uh, Iraq was still in full swing and chaotic uh, during that time. But, yeah, uh, The Hurt Locker really, you know, for a lot of people... I mean, I've talked, I knew a lot of EOD guys and, and, you know, um, and knew a lot of people in, in various worlds, uh, that were touched upon in, in the Hurt Locker. But I think the thing that by and large, most people agree with were those kind of brief home stints. And that's more of that kind of coming home deer uh-huh. hunter world of like, there's this momentous scene. And I, I really feel like it's kind of what wins best picture sure. when you have the scene where he's just standing in the aisle at the grocery uh-huh. store and there's all of the cereal boxes yep. and he's just, she's like grab cereal and she takes the kids and goes down the other aisle and he's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what am I? I have no idea. You know, two days ago I was defusing a bomb yeah, and now I'm got to pick between captain crunch and lucky charms. I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> you know? Um, and I feel like that more than anything, like that was the thing you hear, um, you know, at least in this generation of, of combat of people coming back and like, suddenly I'm standing in line at Walmart, you know, uh-huh. and like, and some lady, you know, two people ahead of me is like complaining about the price of, you know, 36 cent candles or something. Sure. And you're like, holy shit, people, do you have any idea you know, what's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's really going on in the world? Um, and so, and I, I think there was, that. I mean, like there was this general sense of, we're not, it was an interesting kind of byproduct. Of, so you had World War II, very much, we're all in this together, yeah. pro, you know, not maybe pro-war, but certainly pro-stop Hitler. Yeah, and, yeah. you know. Um, this was the right war. Yeah. Right, and stop Hirohito. You know, we're, we're going to stop this uh-huh. war. And then Vietnam, nobody's for this, by and large, as a yeah. nation. We're turning our backs on it. We don't understand it. We're turning our backs on the people who were, by all intents, who just got drafted. Yeah. You know, they weren't, they weren't even by and large, you know, people who signed up, they got drafted. Uh, but so when we enter Afghanistan, Afghanistan's like this reaction. I remember it clearly, um, being a a situation where the nation a hundred percent was like, we've got to go get, we got to do something. Yeah. You know, these guys have hit us on our turf. There's no way we've got to retaliate. We've got to go stop this. And then suddenly we're in Iraq two years later Uh and everybody's like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. (laughs) And so it became this really weird thing where everybody was supporting the soldier 
across the board, you know, uh-huh. even if they weren't supporting combat. So sure. the Hurt Locker, I think, does a good job. And reason why maybe one best picture in 2008 was because it was reflective yeah, yeah. of kind of where people were. We're like, we're not really into this war, but God bless all the yeah, men and women who are here, yeah. you know, trying to figure this out, uh-huh. whether, you know, they're decision makers or just people firing a weapon. Yep. Um, but interesting, nonetheless, kind of how, how that gets reflected in cinema over the years. Yeah. Um, and we didn't touch on so many things. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate we didn't talk about In the Army Now, where we invade yeah. Chad with Polly Shore. Of course. Or, but Stripes. We could, uh, let's play out on Stripes. Oh, on, yeah. on probably the definitive war movie. Of, maybe of all time. Of Hollywood for certain. Yeah, maybe of all time. <laughs> all right, it's been Memorial Day. We salute you. Before I knew it, she was walking next to me. <laughs>